Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back, everybody, to Man vs. Machine. Today we have a special episode. It is now Manned and the Machine, and we're defying ADP, where the algorithm is now going to be agreeing with the man and his rankings in this special episode, taking a look at overvalued players, undervalued players, and who we're fading in the 2023 season. Dario, Mr. Machine, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, I think that it's kind of funny because I went on... Mind of Mansion yesterday. If you guys missed it, be sure to check out that episode. We've gone to a lot of good stuff, talking Dynasty, talking Breakout Finder, Injury Finder. And while we were talking, we also mentioned this very show, Man vs. Machine. And Matt said, you know, one of the things he likes best is when the man and the machine can agree while in opposition with ADP. That's where you find the clearest values. And I figured, why don't we take a whole episode devoted just to that we're going to go through every position, give you one guy that we currently like better than ADP, one guy that we're currently fading at ADP. And these are guys that we agree with. So, for example, a Kyle Pitts, who who I think you're still fading a little too hard, is not <laughs> going to be mentioned on this episode. This is purely man and machine melding together. You're, the audience is getting the best of both worlds. I think it was your way of throwing in the towel, because according to the polls, you have lost now three straight episodes. So this was Dario's way of recalculating. <laughs> the algorithm redoing the, the machine magic over here and, and being able to have short term alliances in order to try to dominate me in the future on man versus machine. Is that, I mean, that I don't know if I, I don't know if I would count 51 49, like <laughs> a strong win. Like I, I think that you're, you're getting to the point where really like to me, I mean, you need like, it's not much of a it's not much of a majority is all I'm saying. Like, but I mean, when I get to fifty one, I'm sure I'll I'll gloat about it. But this is <laughs> not exactly like you know the election of nineteen eighty four over here. No, but you know if we're if we're considering this like a route win rate, a win is a win, and he caught the ball. So um, <laughs> nonetheless, Dario. Let's talk. I like to see the world in uh, shades of gray rather than black and white. I don't think um, I don't think things are really. I mean, you know, as much as algorithms can tend to be perceived as ones and zeros, I think that reality is far richer and far more diverse. And there's so many layers. And fifty-one forty-nine is is not the same as one hundred to zero. Complete domination is what it is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We have yeah, sure. Whatever makes you sleep at night, Billy. Oh, I, I sleep. I sleep like a baby, knowing that I want. <laughs> uh, we have two quarterbacks that we agree on uh, in in our first segment. Two quarterbacks at name. First one is Trevor Lawrence, who we are lower on than average draft position according to um, Best Ball Draft over at Underdog. And the other quarterback that we're actually higher on versus ADP is Sam Howell. So why don't we talk about? Dario, I'll let you start with the reasons why we are higher on Sam Howell versus ADP. Well, the reasons we're higher on Sam Howell is there's plenty 
of room for this offense to improve, right? We have a new offensive coordinator. We're talking about Eric Bianami. I think that like this is, you know, kind of a not the most sophisticated sophistical and grounded take, but I think that the change in ownership is really going to help with just like the functioning of the organization as a whole. I'm sure the facilities are going to be a little bit better run. The training staff is probably going to be a little bit better. Like all these things that are downstream effects of how a football team improves. I think that they just can't possibly get any worse for Washington. So you have, I think you have that going for them. And then you also just have the ADP on Sam Howell being very, very low. I mean, he's currently going, let's see, I'm on underdogs site in the super flex best ball tournament. He's going as quarterback 31. I mean, he's going behind Brock Purdy. I know Brock Purdy's your guy, but would you take Sam Howell over Brock Purdy today in a draft? Uh, I've been mixing an exposure because I am higher on Sam Howell. I mean, I love Brock Purdy, but we do have the question of the injury looming still, um, which is is seriously, you know, going to potentially impact his 2023 campaign where I think Sam Howell is going to be given every opportunity to be successful and be the, the starting quarterback this year for Washington. I think the question is, and I think this is why he's so low, is is how much do we trust him in this offense? And they bring in Jacoby Brissett. How much will Brissett play? You and I have Brissett projected for four games. We have Sam Howell projected for 13. Is there a scenario in which Brissett doesn't see the field? I think there's a, I mean, there's a real chance. Like the, Sam Howell is more of an unknown quality, I, quantity. Sorry. I think that what we saw last year with Taylor Heineke telling the coaching staff, look, you guys need to start Sam Howell in week 18. This game's meaningless. Like, get the young guy out there. I think clearly the team saw something in him. He's clearly playing well enough in practice to earn just a little bit of, you know, respect from his teammates. And like we said, I mean, his ADP right now in this Superflex best ball tournament over on Underdog, the Superflex big board, if you guys have not signed up, promo code Underworld. Um, his ADP is almost 90, almost 100. It's 98.2 right now. We have him ranked at 73 overall. So we have him about two rounds ahead of his ADP. So I think we should be encouraging, you know, people to get exposure to him. Yeah, I want to just break down some of the projections for people. So these are just the raw stats for, for people. So 13 games projected for Howell here. Uh, we have him for, in those 13 games, 447 pass attempts. Roughly 58% completion percentage. We have a 7.5% yard per attempt. Uh, puts him just over 3,000 yards. We have him at 22 touchdowns. Uh, we do have him for um, roughly 50 rushing attempts, which is where his does see a little bit of boost inside the, the fantasy game for us. Um, I like his weapons in this offense is what a lot of it is too as well. Like we have a, a dynamic running back, Antonio Gibson, who's that dual threat ability. We have Terry McLaurin, who has shown to be a reliable uh, wide receiver inside the NFL. Curtis Samuel has a bunch of of of, of ability to be a dynamic as well as a pass catcher in that zero Z, Z role, as well as you know, mixing in on some running back carries. Jahan Dotson last year as a rookie showed flashes. They still have Denami Brown, right? There's I expect them to draft a tight end. This offense is is looking better and better as as we continue on. I'm excited to see what they do in the draft. I think they'll address the tight end position. Um, if we see one of the big tight ends land here, how high are you going to be on this offense in general? Like you said, I think that we'll we'll end up being pretty high. Like there's 
I think three receivers that we like. I mean, you mentioned Deami Brown. I think he's an interesting deep threat. I remember his rookie year. I had way too much of him at best ball. He was like my favorite last round pick his rookie year. And there's there's just a, a lot to like about those weapons. I think that right now I'm using our data analysis tool to pull up a particular stat about Sam Howell that I'm uh, very interested to see where this ranked among the entire league because he's only played in one game and yet he was charted as having four money throws in that game, which is basically our way of looking at just how many you know, elite throws you guys are making our charters look at exclusively, you know, when you make a money throw, it's, it's kind of like, Oh wow, that was, that was impressive. We got to chart that as a money throw. And this, this is what I suspected. He, his four in that one game is the highest of any like per game average of any quarterback in the league, obviously super tiny sample, but someone like Justin Herbert was averaging three per game. Geno Smith last season was averaging two per game. Patrick Mahomes averaged two per game. So those four money throws in one game, I think super, super tiny sample, obviously, but that's a pretty strong indicator that he's got what it takes to sit in the pocket and deliver the throws that not everyone is able to deliver in the NFL. So that makes me optimistic. Like you said, those weapons make me really optimistic. And he's going as quarterback 31. Like that's barely considered a starter. Like this is a guy who you can get as your third quarterback on your super flex best ball team. And you can probably get some good weeks out of them. Receiver target separation for this team was 2.09, number 16 in the league. So anytime that those receivers are able to get separation, it's going to help in an experienced quarterback as well. And you add in those money throws and his, and you know, potential to be accurate here with the separation. And I think the needle could be pointing up for Sam Howell. Look on the flip side, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. Um, it's not that we're saying don't draft Trevor Lawrence. We're just saying that we're lower on him versus where his ADP is. Dario, where's his ADP right now at underdog? His ADP is quarterback eight, which overall where that ranks among the quarterbacks, I think we don't disagree with too severely. We have him as quarterback nine. The problem that we see more so lies in where he's going in just like straight up ADP. He's the quarterback eight but he's also the ninth overall in ADP. Obviously, it's super flex. We expect the quarterbacks to fly off the board like that, but he's going ahead of Jamar Chase and Christian McCaffrey in this underdog super flex tournament. We think that's a little bit rich. He's not quite in that tier of the super game-changing quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Even Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I think justifiably have ADPs slightly ahead of Justin Jefferson in this tournament. But where we have these players ranked is nowhere. It's we think that Trevor Lawrence is just a little bit behind those guys. I mean, he's probably going to improve once again in year three. I think this is an offense to be excited about, but we just have him slightly behind the players that are also going in that range. I think we have him ranked closer to 12 in our underdog best ball super flex rankings. Yeah, when you take a look at it, right, you can either get him slightly behind that like Joe Burrow tier, or you can get him, you know, someone like Dak Prescott nearly 30 picks later, who, in my opinion, is a more similar tier to Lawrence than Lawrence is to like a Herbert or a Burrow. Although I like his weapons, I like the offense, I think they're transcending. I just I just have a lot of hesitation with where he's going inside these drafts. Um Raw projections, I think, like you said, we're 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 in line with the rest of the community. We're just not in line with where he's being drafted overall at the quarterback position. Let's talk yeah, about I think, running. Oh, go ahead. 
No, yeah, you said it perfectly. He's not in that tier with Burrow and Herbert. That is, you know, very much a projected leap that he could take. But I think when you look at the overall ranges of outcomes, his median projection is not the same as Burrow and Herbert's median projection. And you take it's going to take, you know, probably a 75th plus percentile outcome for Lawrence to ascend to that tier and to pay off at his current ADP. And you know what it is like, we don't like to draft guys who are being drafted close to their ceiling. We want to find values. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding value in fantasy is one of the, 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 the key, key ingredients to success inside this, this game we play. Um, let's talk about a couple of running backs here. Uh, we have JK Dobbins who we're both higher on. We have Miles Sanders that were, who were lower on versus ADP. Where are both these guys going at underdog right now? So right now, Miles Sanders is going as the running back 16 in ADP, and our rankings have him as the running back 23. Matt and I actually talked about him once again yesterday on Mind of Mansion. I think that we really keyed in on the fact that that Eagles offensive line last year and sharing a backfield with Jalen Hurts are just two of the best things any running back could ask for with their efficiency, as well as the Eagles game scripts that they had last year. I'm pretty sure they led the entire league in our way of measuring game script, which is just like how the point deficit is averaged out per play. So the Eagles were consistently ahead. They're consistently running the ball down other teams throats. And we very much don't expect that for the Panthers this year. So that's already a factor into why Miles Sanders is a little bit worrisome. And I think you can tell us more about the projection for that team. Yeah. Looking at the projection for Miles Sanders, um, let me, I was on the wrong tab. Give me one second. We have Miles Sanders projected for roughly 46% of the rush share. That is going to be 215 carries. Uh, we're expecting his yard per carry to be, you know, see some some reduction, some regression here. Where he was averaging over five yards a carry. We're expecting it more at a four and a half range. Uh, we have him just under 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, which I think is is pretty generous, quite frankly in this offense. And then we have him for roughly 4% of the target share um, with another, you know, just under a score in the receiving game and roughly, um, roughly 18 catches. I think that is, uh, sorry, that's, that's, that's Chuba. We have Sanders for 7% of the target share and roughly 27 catches, which I think is being generous mm -hmm. because he hasn't been used outside of his rookie campaign. Hasn't been used as a pass catcher. Do you think it was them misusing him or the fact they just, had better weapons and they just chose not to use it in the passing game. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's definitely a chance he could expand into a bigger role in the passing game. He was never horribly inefficient as a receiver. I mean, you talked about his rookie year that year. He had a 10% target share 1.94 yards per hour run. That's very good for a running back. But I think that part of it is the Eagles also had Kenny Gainwell. They had Goddard. They had AJ Brown. They had Devontae Smith. So when they did need to throw the ball, they had better weapons to throw to. And I think the game script is a huge contributor there. I mean, the Eagles were, like I said, number one in game script. They averaged ever on the average play of any given Eagles game. They were ahead by four points. So that was the highest in the league. They just didn't have as much of a need to throw the ball. But the thing is, I think we can expect Chuba Hubbard to come in for some of these third downs. And I don't think that Miles Sanders is in the clear yet when it comes to the Panthers possibly taking a third, fourth, fifth round dart throw running back. 
guy like Tajay Spears who could potentially eat into those targets in the backfield as well. So ADP right now, Dobbins is 70th overall on on uh, underdog drafts. We have Miles Sanders at 71.9, so nearly back-to-back inside of these. However, in our rankings, we have Dobbins at 19, Sanders at 22, so a few spots ahead. We're, we're pretty close in both of these. However, I think Dobbins is just a much more explosive back in general. We look at last year, breakaway run rate, 10.9%. Yes, he had a limited uh, amount of, of games played and, and a limited amount of, of total carries. However, this is what he is known for. And coming off that injury to still have that explosiveness, still have an over 5.2 true yards per carry, still have you know 5.7 yards per touch, which was running back nine in the league. These are very promising, seeing that he was still partly injured last year. He's now a full year removed from this injury without setback that we know of. What do you think is the ceiling for J.K. Dobbins in this offense? I think that J.K. Dobbins' ceiling is very much a top 10 fantasy running back. I don't think he's, you know, he's never going to be that guy who catches enough passes for you to be that top three knocking on the door with Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. But at this ADP, you don't need him to be. I think he's someone that we can count on to be hyper-efficient in the ground game. And to me, I was looking at his game log not too long ago, and one thing that I thought was really encouraging is in their playoff game last season against the Bengals, because they rested him in week 18 for this playoff game, and then he had five targets and four receptions in that playoff game. So that was as many targets as more the most targets he had in any game that last season. So I think that that's really, really encouraging to see just because, you know, picking up those extra PPR points like that is extremely valuable. But like you said, he's such a talented and efficient runner alone in this offense that I think that with a a clean offseason under his belt, he's going to just be coming back and be ready to be as efficient as you've seen him be. I mean, he had six yards per carry as a rookie, 5.7 yards per carry last year. Again, kind of like Sanders, it helps to be sharing a backfield with Lamar Jackson. But I think at this present moment, it kind of seems like Lamar Jackson is going to end up staying in Baltimore when it's all said and done. So I think that J.K. Dobbins is a huge value right now. Man, I love Dobbins. I had high hopes for him last year, and I know coming off that injury, it was it was it was a bit of an ask. But down the stretch, he was showing his ability again. I'm I'm have high hopes here. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now, in the offseason, I get into baseball, I get into basketball, and my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy because Rival Fantasy has challenges where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together, pick one. Point guards, pick one. Spoiler alert, you should pick Damian Lillard. Or they have the fantasy book where you could pick over, under, over, under, over, under, and up to five guys, and then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card, because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under, across the board, get your fantasy bingo card set, submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is, with promo code PLAYER, They refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is player on RivalFantasy.com. Go have some fun.
You know, Jar, I have to say, this man and machine collaboration is a lot less stressful than man versus the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, this is, you know, we talk about providing value to our listeners. I know it's not as good of TV as Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp screaming at each other, but I think in terms of actionable fantasy football advice, this is probably my favorite episode we've done so far. I would agree. I think it's I think it's great because it's it shows that the algorithm is also matching like right, me watching tape and 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 the human element to mm-hmm. the analysis and I think it's always nice to have that affirmation when you have both sides agreeing on something and being able to come to the end result as as saying hey we're both higher on this player based on two different criteria. So it's it's a breath of fresh air Dario. Nice nice to see receivers moving along we have one receiver we're very high on another one who are lower on verse adp first receiver we're high on is rondell moore one of my guys on side the site you go to the rankings you can see the little the little fingers on the right rondell moore one of my guys we're lower on gabe davis first adp where are these guys going in underdog drafts so right now rondell moore is going as the wide receiver 69 very cheap you can get him at you know 183rd adp in the current Superflex best ball drafts. And we currently have him ranked. Let's pull this up. Our wide receiver rankings. I think we have him a lot higher than that. For Rondell? I'm uh, ranking everything. Um, We have him as wide receiver 46. So he's, we have him significantly higher than his current ADP. And he's another guy that Matt and I talked about yesterday. There's a lot of paths for him to to different to different routes that could, you know, ways that this season could unfold that he could end up showing to be a huge ADP value. I mean, we're still waiting for the DeAndre Hopkins domino to fall. Marquise Brown is actually, um, spoiler alert for the injury finder, but he's someone who you kind of forget how many lower body injuries he's had. I mean, if you look at the injury chart on his player page, it's like the this whole everything below the hips is just completely lit up with ankle injuries, foot injuries, thigh, hamstring. So there's a lot of different paths that could lead to Rondale Moore seeing an improved opportunity in 2023. And on top of that, I think that the way that he was used by Cliff Kingsbury is going to be exposed as having been really inefficient. He had a 5.3 A dot last year, a 3.3 A dot his rookie year. So the 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 quality of the targets that he's been getting has not been as high as we'd want it to see for fantasy. We know that he's got the speed to make plays downfield. I think that a new offensive coordinator leads to the opportunity for him to be getting the ball in situations that are more valuable for fantasy and Obviously, all Cardinals ADPs are suppressed right now because of the Kyler Murray injury, the uncertainty with the coaching situation. But, you know, if and when Kyler Murray does come back, and if this offense does get clicking, the weeks that are going to matter the most in fantasy, especially in a big Superflex best ball tournament on underdog, are going to be weeks 15, 16, 17. And if you get a full, healthy Rondale Moore, who is one of the top two receivers on the Cardinals for that stretch, I mean you're looking at probably a top 30 wide receiver. And right now he's being drafted way, way outside of that. Yeah. When we look at just the overall target distribution too, right? We're expecting Hopkins to be moved when we're accounting for Hopkins for roughly 22 and a half percent of the target share 
that's going to open up a lot of targets in this offense. And we already saw Rondell Moore being heavily targeted in this offense, even when we had Hopkins on the field. You look back at his games uh, last year, and there were one, two, three of his like six, seven games all over double digits and targets. 13 targets week 10 against the Rams, 10 targets week nine against Seattle. He had another 10 targets week six versus Seattle. He had two in the eight range, so very close to double digits. The surprising piece is he was actually targeted in the red zone in every single active game except for one, which was against San Francisco. Um, the man gets open, right? And you look at target separation, a lot of it's because of the routes that he runs and the quickness that he has. But he was number 13 wide receiver in the league in target separation with 2.13. And it was even better versus man where he was wide receiver number two with 2.44. And so I love his ability to get open. I love how they're going to utilize him. Um, I agree with everything you said about them being, you know, utilized down the stretch. We talked about this when we were looking at the draft kit. And I said, I think a lot of these Cardinals are being undervalued in drafts because they're going to be all together when it matters most. Like you just mentioned down the stretch, when Kyler Murray's back on the field, Rondell's on the field, they're going to be playing from behind in a lot of these games. They're going to be passing the ball a lot. I like Rondell more. So I'm excited for his, his prospect. The biggest thing is, can he stay healthy? Right. We saw, mm-hmm. 2021 where he missed three games he missed half the season season last year uh a little undersized that 57 and 181 so he is the ant man right and then if we can at least get three quarters of the season from him i think he's going to significantly outproduce this this adp outside injury do you have any other concerns for Rondell Moore? yeah i don't think so i mean he if you look at you know we talked about this a couple of weeks maybe it was just last week with burks and pickens I really like to look at the target rate, targets per route run for wide receivers in terms of an indicator of just how talented they are. And Rondale Moore is clearing that bar. I mean, he had a target on 22% of his routes last year and 26% of his routes as a rookie. His yards per route run, it's not mind-blowing. He's not clearing the 2.0 mark of greatness, but he's at 1.67 yards per route run last year, 1.75 as a rookie. He's got numbers that tell us he's good enough to be a receiver that belongs in the NFL, that can stay on the field, at least from a talent perspective. He's got what it takes to contribute at the NFL level, and he's clearly done so. Like you said, all those double-digit target games, um, very, very great to see for Rondale Moore, and I think that we're very much in agreement that he's a huge value right now. So there's a comment in here that I want to talk about. So Florasaurus says he hasn't cleared 450 yards in two years. First and foremost, I would like to do this to him. (laughs) And I would like to remind you that you should not always look back because you're not going that way, right? We're moving forward. And in this league specifically, we're going to be continuing to progress and move forward. And I think that if we can always look at what has happened in the past, you may miss what's going to happen in the obvious standpoint this year in 2023, right? A lot of people would have said the same thing about Debo Samuel when he came out before he broke out. If we would have only looked at the past, it would have been missed. And I think that I'm not saying that Ronda Moore is going to have a Debo Samuel year. I'm not saying that at any standpoint, but I'm saying that if your bar is only 450 yards, I think it's very clear he has every opportunity to surpass that here in 2023 with the opportunities going to be given. Dari, would you agree? Totally agree. And I think that especially we, t- we talked about this with the usage. I just don't see any world where Rondale Moore's dot stays as low as he's seen it 
Like, yeah, I mean, maybe, oh, 450 yards. That's so bad. But, I mean, there were plays where he was getting negative air yards. He was being targeted <laughs> behind the line of scrimmage so much. And that's not wide receiver usage. That's total gadget usage. We think that he has what it takes to be more of a downfield wide receiver. Not, I mean, he's not going to be Hollywood Brown. Good thing they have a Hollywood Brown to handle those routes. But I think that he's going to see better opportunities as a wide receiver there this year. Last section we have is tight end. And this one I really like. This one, this one, this one, I'm, I can't wait to hear your breakdown now as on it because I know wait, no, I we, my... you, you skipped Gabe Davis. Oh my God, oh, because he doesn't matter this year. That's why. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I don't like Gabe Davis this year. We're not even talking about him. No, okay. Let's, let's go back to Gabe Davis. Go ahead, Dario. I think that the biggest, the biggest point against Gabe Davis is if you look at the visits, that Buffalo has brought in for the draft. Every team is allowed 30 visits and they have brought in just about every rumored first round wide receiver on the book. So that's already, I think a really strong indication that they are taking a serious look at this wide receiver class. His ADP is wide receiver 41. We have him ranked. Let's let's scroll down here. Wide receiver 51. So a full 10 spots within the wide receiver ranks behind his current ADP. In terms of our underdog ranking on him, we have him having 12 spots below his ADP. But yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, a lot of it for me is just inconsistency, right? And it doesn't seem to ever get open. I, 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 I know he plays in the Bills offense and he has the upside to potentially do big things. And we've seen that in the games specifically when he scored the four touchdowns in playoffs, right? So the upside is real. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. And I think that's what's holding him, his ADP, at this level in which he's at right now. I Had he not had that blow-up game, where do you think he'd be going right now? Like wide receiver 50, 60 range? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that his entire reputation is built on that one playoff game. I mean, he had, he had a couple good games last year, right? I mean, you had the game with a 98-yard touchdown, and then basically any week that he caught a touchdown, he was a pretty good bet, like like most receivers, actually. Um, but if you think about Gabe Davis, you think about four touchdowns in that AFC playoff game. And he was just less efficient last year than than we really would have hoped to see. Like, I once again, I'll bring it back to target rate. His 2021 season, it was 22%. You're kind of, he was on that cusp of maybe this guy is actually good enough to earn a full-time role and do something with it. And then last year, that target rate actually dropped back down to 18%. He was running a lot of wind sprints. Obviously, the Bills offense did not look the same after Josh Allen's elbow injury. But even before Josh Allen's elbow injury in the first, I think that was in week nine in the first game against the Jets, in those first eight games, Josh, um, Gabe Davis had less than 10 fantasy points four times. So he's really a guy that I think, again, it's a little bit more amenable to best ball. Like you, it's, it makes more sense to draft him in best ball than in a start-sit league, but we still think that his ADP is just a little bit too high right now. I mean, other guys that you can get around him are, you know, just for example, Jahan Dotson is one spot right behind him in wide receiver ADP. Cortland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, guys we really like. Jordan Addison, very exciting potential first-round rookie that <laughs> could very well be a teammate of Gabe Davis's in a week. But I think that that domino waiting to fall of 
the Bills drafting another weapon to be the secondary weapon after Diggs is going to push Davis's ADP down way further. And I think that's also a big reason why we're comfortable fading him until we see what happens next week. We had a question of how hurt he was last year. He only had an ankle injury in week one. He only popped up though on three injury reports the entire season. So it was a non-issue after the first three weeks. Uh, and then he did not appear back on the injury report. Um, the biggest thing with Gabe Davis, in my opinion, and I talked about his inconsistency briefly earlier, is just his drops, right? Wide receiver seven in, in, in drops overall with eight. That was 8.7%. Um, not something you want to be known as as a receiver is always dropping the ball. And when you constantly do that, you're going to lose opportunities. And we talk about opportunities being the king in fantasy football. If you lose those opportunities, you're only going to be going down overall in in in, in fantasy points, and therefore, we don't want to be drafting you. So one of the other reasons, that's one of the main factors we're also down on Gabe Davis. Can we move off from Gabe Davis now? Can we go to tight ends? I just want to – I uh, can you show my, my screen real quick there here yes. on, on StreamYard? I just thought this was too funny. Every year, uh, we can count on Gabe Davis to sprain his ankle right before the season starts. <laughs> He's been in the NFL for three years. 2020, ankle sprain. 2021, ankle sprain. 2022, ankle sprain so you know that kind of want to make a little side bet here of whether we think that gabe davis is going to sprain his ankle in august because it seems like he does that every year <laughs> he knows that is it so that way he can have an excuse when people talk about how slow he is right he's just saying oh i hurt my ankle in week one i'll slow all year so he does it every single year <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about how fast he is that's 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 what it is it's a mind game it's a whole strategy that's right? uh now that's a hot take <laughs> or a high take on 420, right? Um, <laughs> let's move on to tight ends. Oh, you, uh, you what are you talking about, show. Billy? What's 420? I I did the last recording inside my Rasta gear, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did not wear the dreads. It was my Halloween costume, so we, I, I did not wear those though. Um, tight ends. I want to talk about these two tight ends because I I love one of them, and so the two tight ends w- we have on this list today. The one we're higher on is Jelani Woods. The one we're lower on is Dawson Knox. Can you list off ADPs for me? Let's do it. So Jelani Woods, I mean, when I saw his ADP, I was like, oh gosh, we absolutely have to talk about him. He's tight end 30 on underdog right now. We have him as tight end 21. And I mean, I know we all know that tight end is basically a total no man's land after tight end, like six realistically any given season. And you're looking for guys who have the athletic profile, the opportunity in the offense, and and just like the total freak of nature factor to potentially contribute and become that guy who can give you those games. And Jelani Woods, we've already seen it from him in his rookie year. So I think that there's so much upside here to love. And he's the guy that you can get in quite literally the last round of your drafts. So there is absolutely no reason not to be drafting him. Six foot seven, 252 pounds, four, six, one forty, ninety fourth percentile speed score, 95th percentile burst score, 82nd percentile agility score, 98th percentile catch radius. I remember watching him in the combine or his workouts, I should say, and was like, man, this guy's going to be awesome. It might take him a couple years, but we look at the weapons that 
the Colts have. And I think that he has every opportunity to be a difference maker in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and especially when you have an inexperienced quarterback, what do they do? They typically lean on their tight end. They lean on the short intermediate routes, things underneath. So I I love his his potential breakout here in 2023. And I mean, we we expect this for most rookies, but if you look at the trajectory of his snap share over the course of last season, started out single digits, 10%, 15% in the 20s up until midseason. And then if you look at the last six games or so, he had a lot of games where he was seeing more than 50% of the snaps. So he went from someone who was being brought up to speed in the offense to someone who was being featured as a weapon in that offense. He was targeted on 20% of his routes last year. That's pretty good for a tight end. That's 18th in the league. Again, that was his rookie year, and he only ran a route on about 35% of dropbacks. We can expect that to go up this season. We can expect his fantasy production to go up. I mean, he was the tight end 35 last year. So that's right about where he's being drafted. And that was when he was playing a third of the snaps. We only expect that to go up. And I mean, do you really think that Mo Ali Cox and Kylan, Kylan Granson, is that his name, are going to keep him off the field that much longer? Like it's, it's a breakout that we're all just so excited to see. And I think that is coming from a mile away. We have him projected for 12.5% of the target share this year. That's roughly 71 targets, 63% catch percentage. There's 45 receptions, just under 600 yards, just over three touchdowns. So it's not like this monstrous season, but I'd say that this is a pretty conservative uh, projection for his outlook for 2023. And if we were to do a ceiling projection with this guy, I think it's closer to 15% target share, closer to like six touchdowns. And I think that his ceiling, I think, output could be somewhere in like the the teens, like 15, 16, maybe even 14 overall, the tight end position. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I know. And his, if you look at his A dot, it was fourth among tight ends last year. So he was not only when he was on the field, he was getting, he got five deep targets in in the course of the season. Doesn't sound like much, but tight ends do not get many deep targets. So that's definitely noteworthy. And he had, was it, yeah, he had, he had a multiple touchdown game. That was kind of when he announced his presence in the league. So he's a guy that they're going to trust in the red zone. Like you said, he's six foot seven. Like, how do you not throw the ball to this guy in the end zone? I think that his ceiling projection could see very high efficiency and the cost is almost non-existent. I think that's the thing that people really need to keep in mind. Like you can get him after the likes of, I don't know, Tyler Conklin in underdog ADP right now. Like, would you rather have, Noah Fant than Jelani Woods. Who of those guys is going to be able to give you a top 10 tight end season? I don't think it's Fant. So there's a lot of tantalizing upside there with Jelani Woods. And, you know, like you said, our projections have him beating this, not by any crazy margin, but pretty substantially. And his upside is obviously pretty mouthwatering. Another Buffalo Bill who we're lower on this year is Dawson Knox, so tight end. We do have him projected for 12.5% target share here as well. Um, this does equate to just under 600 total receiving yards. It does give him closer to six touchdowns. But my biggest thing with Dawson Knox is just his lack of usage inside the passing game, right? We saw target rate of 16.7%, which was tight end 28. Target share only 13.2% last year, which was tight end number 22 tight end 22 and it gets worse and worse every year you go back you go back 2020 it was 9.7 percent target share with tight end 20 tight end 33 
18% target rate. And it just, like I said, worse and worse, 11% target shares. So I don't think that we're going to see this massive leap in target share from Dawson Knox. We talked about them earlier adding another weapon. They've also been rumored to be in the DeAndre Hopkins lottery sweepstake. What happens with Dawson Knox if they add another veteran free agent and they go out and add someone in the draft? Could we see a sub 10% target share from him? I think that's very plausible. I mean, James Cook is only going to be on the field more his second year than he was as a rookie. I mean, Damian Harris replacing Devin Singletary is, you know, pretty much a non-factor in the passing game. But I think that, you know, you look at the course of this episode, we're the only team that we've talked about two players from is being lower on these two bills. And I think it has everything to do with the fact that they are very clearly indicating that they're looking to get an elite weapon in the draft. Like you said, they're mentioned in the Hopkins sweepstakes. I just think that they know that they need more complementary weapons alongside Diggs. They saw what happened over the course of last season as teams figured them out. And I think that, you know, once again, we're talking about this with the draft kit and the theme for the Bills season is definitely what are they going to do outside of Diggs and how are they going to improve the efficiency of that offense? I think that's it, Dario. You got anything else you want to talk about here? Does anybody in the chat have anything that they want to add? Maybe questions in regards to projections for 2023? We can stall long enough for you to get those typed in. Um, What do we get while we're stalling for them? They can get a couple questions in. We have a little bit more time. Are you excited for the draft next week? We're going to be at the draft. We're going to be doing live projections, updating them as the picks come in. I'm excited to have a beer with you, Dario. Just hang out at the draft house and get all these things going live. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have, I mean, I've met Matt and I've met Cody, but I think that's about it in terms of player profiler live meetups. This is going to be, I think, 13 or 14 of us at the draft house. It's going to be pretty, pretty exciting stuff. And I think, you know, where these rookies are going to land, this is an exciting class. What is, I'll, I'll stall with one question for you. What is your dream landing spot for B. John Robinson? <laughs> I think it is Atlanta. We talked talked about it so much, right? Just because we know Arthur Smith is going to hand him the rock close to 300 times. Uh, that's what this offense does. They just run, 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 run. And I know it's not the most, you know, fantasy-friendly offense, but we do know that he's going to get the volume if he lands in Atlanta. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, great point because there's not a lot of backfields that are that open. I mean, the absolute crazy outcome would be if, you know, say the Chargers did trade Eckler somehow and then they ended up with Bijan Robinson. Like, what offenses would we like to really see him end up on? Or if the Bengals got rid of Mixon and he ended up in Cincinnati, that would be the total nuts. But it does sound more and more like he's leaning toward someone's going to pull the trigger on him in the top 10. My, my, my football nerd analytics mind thinks that's unconscionable. No one should be drafting running backs in the top 10 in the year of our Lord 2023. But it sounds like that might be what happens. And I think that when I'm looking at these top 10 teams, I think that in terms of production this season, Atlanta definitely stands out as the one where he could get that opportunity and run away with it. I have one request when I meet you in person, Dario, just one. <laughs> I want you to say this. I'm the machine. <laughs> I want to hear it in person, Dario. All right, yell it from a tabletop. <laughs> probably going to need like 17 drinks in me or something like that. <laughs> done we're gonna bring like a beer bong so we can hear dario scream on the machine uh we finally got some questions in here let's let's go ahead and take a look at them so 
They want us to project Swift. This is a good one because uh, this is this is one of those players who's tantalizing, and we know that he has the ability, in my opinion, to be the running back one. In my in my opinion, I think he has the ability to be the running back one. We just have not seen him receive the workload and what it's going to take for in order for him to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about on the podcast earlier, uh, right before this, with Jared Small and Theo on First Class Fantasy that I thought the Lions offense was going to be one of the uh, better offenses in the league this year that might be surprising people. Um, from projection standpoint, we have DeAndre Swift roughly for 34% of the rush share, which is about 150-ish carries. We have him for 4.5 yards per carry, 700 rushing yards, and about five scores. Uh, in the passing game, we have him for roughly 9%, which is roughly 50 targets. We have him for 41 receptions, 309 receiving yards and another three scores. It comes in on the raw projections as running back 22. Again, this is a mean projection that is directly behind David Montgomery. So we do have these two back to back inside the projections. I think we can agree that David Montgomery is going to be the goal line back, the short yardage back and, and also be sprinkled in on third down. So uh, I would say that having David Montgomery here is definitely a downgrade for DeAndre Swift versus having Jamal Williams here. I think we would have both agreed that, Jamal Williams would have been less of a threat to DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. again. Um, and they gave Montgomery some pretty good money for for market running back. I think that it's it's a pretty smart signing, I think, in terms of the Lions front office. But I think also keep in mind, David Montgomery is a much better target earner than Jamal Williams has ever been. He was consistently 10 to 12% target share in Chicago. Jamal Williams was not that kind of a threat in this offense. We have DeAndre Swift projected for 9%, but there were stretches of last season where he was, you know, you were doing the weekly projections for DeAndre Swift and you had to pencil him in for 15 to 16% of the Lions targets because that's the kind of receiving usage that he was seeing. I think that's what gives him that ceiling that you're talking about where he could be the RB1 in fantasy if he just got the workload. But every time we've seen him get a half decent workload, the guy has gotten hurt. And at the end of the day, coaches pick up on that. Coaches want to utilize players to the best of their ability. You bring in a guy like David Montgomery to eat up a lot of those touches. We have Montgomery projected for 55 more carries. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the unfortunate reality of where DeAndre Swift is right now is it's kind of tough to see that path for him being that high-end RB1 without a David Montgomery injury happening in the first place. We have one more in here. I'm trying to find it because the comments are coming in pretty quickly, but it was in relation to Khalil Shakir. So once there it is, is, is this his time to step up as a late round flyer? Well, I think we've touched base on this offense pretty good for pretty good so far today. And we, we expect them to add a weapon, whether that's a free agent or it's going to be the draft or both. And I think, I think that that's going to affect Shakir, his breakout at least right Right now, mm-hmm. on the projection standpoint, from target share, we have him for 11% of the targets, which keep in mind, that would be adjusted down once we do get another name here. So 11% of the targets, 66 targets roughly, 55% catch rate, which is about a 10% increase that he had from last year. Uh, we did give him um, roughly 500 yards and just under three touchdowns. Uh, if they add someone like DeAndre Hopkins or they do add you know, a receiver here early in the draft, how low can Khalil Shakir go in, in target share? Like 8%? I, yeah, I think 7 or 8%. But I think that what's really going to matter is the profile of the guy that they add, right? If it's 
Quentin Johnson, a guy who's really going to take a lot more of those out. Quentin Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, guys who are really big-time alphas who are going to take more of those outside snaps. I think Gabe Davis is going to take a far bigger hit than Shakir because Shakir is still going to see slot reps. Isaiah McKenzie is completely out of the picture now, and so is uh, Jamison Crowder, who they signed him last year and he barely played anyway. But these there were there were more people in his path blocking his path to being the Bills slot receiver last year than there are this year. But that doesn't mean that they couldn't draft a guy like Jordan Addison, who is going to. I mean. Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to be there, but there are good slot receivers in this draft. They could trade up for JSN for all we know. And if they go for more of a slot receiver to become that secondary weapon, and I think you can just about forget it about Shakir. But if you look at just Bill's ADPs right now, I do think I'm more interested in Shakir at his ADP of wide receiver 78 than I am in Gabe Davis at his ADP of wide receiver 41. Cody over here playing with my emotions wants to know Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco. If Lance is gone and Purdy's out for the season, Darnold's the backup. What would be your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? Oh, so funny. I was just in a meeting with Cody and he was telling me this uh, conspiracy theory, which I'll call it that for now because <laughs> it's uh pretty far fetched. But then again, Aaron Rodgers is probably a conspiracy theorist. So maybe this will all work out. He's from the Bay. I mean, he was from <laughs> California. He, he was he played in Chico and, it's not, it's not out of their own possibilities here. They should have taken him in the draft to begin with. That's He would be the, the ultimate Shanahan quarterback. But, I mean, <laughs> I think that if... So let's let's say they did... Let's um, not listen twofold. If this were to happen, announced, you get off the podcast, we see the news. Mm-hmm. Breaking news, Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco. Let's talk about this first and foremost from the Rodgers perspective. Where is Rodgers in the quarterback ranking? That's what I was just about to say. I think that he's we probably do it right now and see what happens. I, I would put him at quarterback 10. I think he probably settles in just behind Lawrence around that Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson tier. People will probably push him up higher. He might get pushed into that quarterback eight, nine conversation above Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. Eight, but I think the touchdown rate goes through the ceiling probably, right? Efficiency's already there. He has the weapons. Man. It's kind of like it. Um, you know, we don't know how much that thumb injury was affecting him last year because last year his efficiency really tanked. Was was that just because he lost Devontae Adams and that getting the elite weapons that San Francisco has would restore his efficiency, or is he not the player he used to be anymore? And you know, are we never going to see prime Aaron Rodgers again? I think that's the question. But he's hey, you know giving him weapons. You have these San Francisco weapons with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, let's face it, like the worst of those weapons is 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 up there with Watson being, you know, breakout receiver. And I know Cody's a big Watson guy, but you throw these weapons at Aaron Rodgers, and that's gonna be hard for him not to succeed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that too, from a fantasy perspective, it would come down to are they going to be too good to really light up the scoreboards for fantasy? I mean, Brock Purdy, I think almost all of his games last season, it was exactly two touchdowns because they just didn't need him to do any more than that. So Aaron Rodgers on the 49ers, I think he's not going to break into that hyper elite quarterback tier in fantasy, but probably that eight to 10 range. Like we're talking about. If Rodgers lands in SF, I probably have to change my shorts. Like it's that's, that's how, 
good this offense is going to be. You know me, I'm a Niner homer too. <laughs> but this has been the missing piece from this offense for the last three, four years. You you put Aaron Rodgers in this offense three years ago, and they've probably won two of the last three Super Bowls. If not, if not, honestly, I and I'm not just saying that as a homer. Like they, that's yeah, been uh, the Cody. Piece. For the record, Cody, you're out there. Um, Billy's gonna have a wet dream about this tonight. <laughs> And I don't even know what completely tonight, distracted him for, <laughs> You're going to completely distra- uh, derail the show. So uh, uh, thank you for that. I mean, Rogers and SF. Now we have a serious, in my opinion, it's a serious discussion of Herbert, Joe Burrow and Rogers. <laughs> I'm dead serious. We're so far gone on this hypothetical. <laughs> I'm all for it. I really am. I, this has been the missing piece. It's it, it truly has. You have the defense. You have the offensive weapons. You have the creative scheme. Rodgers would be the complete piece here, and they'd be able to you know really pick apart teams on the offensive side and, and continue to be a powerhouse on defense. This is. I I really hope it happens. As an analyst and as a homer, it would be <laughs> a dream come true. Yeah, I think that. I mean, the level of control that Rodgers likes to have at the line of scrimmage really, I don't think, would mesh well with the way that Shanahan likes to control every aspect of an offense. That would be just, I mean, obviously really interesting to see from a football perspective. But, you know, we'll we'll know when we know. I think that Rodgers sounds more and more like he might not get traded by draft night. So this is, I mean, seems like every goddamn offseason, Aaron Rodgers has to be controlling the narrative. and kind of tired of it to be honest with you <laughs> yeah I, I saw people putting added muted words aaron Rodgers on twitter they're so, <laughs> they're so sick of it um last point because florosaurus has a, has a has a great point here that he's surprised that i have not said that purdy can do everything Rodgers can he can purdy's the goat that's when i ended there what do you think mm-hmm. what do you think sorry am, am i course. crazy here naturally naturally yeah it, it's <laughs> not a high take on 420 that is my true belief that purdy is is amazing okay that is it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Man and Machine today in our collaboration of taking down average draft position over at Underdog, utilizing the Man and the Machine's rankings over at Player Profiler. You can log in to the site, go to Best Ball Rankings, select the Underdog rankings, and dominate your draft using those rankings. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Always appreciate you guys and your uh, engagement on the show and commenting. Take care, and we'll see you all next week from the draft. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.